Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord for The Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Friends, I want to welcome you to Walk with God. It is such a privilege for Walt and me to study God's Word with you each week, and especially as we learn more about Jesus in this current study of John's Gospel. You know, when you travel to Israel with us, you will constantly hear us ask, are you drinking water? Did you have enough water? Walt's very good at getting people to drink their water. Yeah, I scare them. (laughs) Well, there are many good reasons for each of us to drink plenty of water while traveling in Israel. But today, I'm going to tell you the rest of the story. Waiting for luggage at the Ben-Gurion Airport a number of years ago, actually, a moody grad school woman came to me and asked where she could get some water. She was very thirsty. Well, I had saved a small bottle of water from our international flight, and I offered my only bottle of water to her. The result, I was going to be thirsty shortly. In fact, I became physically sick, very dehydrated, and for the next 48 hours, I seriously wanted to depart from the face of the earth. I don't know if you remember that, Walt, but I I missed that barbecue dinner down it a lot. (laughs) Oh, so sad. Um, Sips of Sprite and water to rehydrate my body, extreme headaches, an unbelievable nausea, and give me a drink took on a whole new meaning for me over those two days in Israel. Well, you know, meaning is important, and the purpose for John's gospel, the true meaning is found in John 20, verse 31. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed, but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. There are a lot of reasons why we drink water. And today's story, we're going to see a new meaning for water as Jesus speaks to the woman at the well. In John 4, verses 1 through 3, we read, Therefore, The Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were. He left Judea and went away again into Galilee. You know, Jesus knew, and that's therefore, he knew and was aware that the Pharisees had heard They were talking, they were looking at John the Baptist's ministry, they were looking at Jesus' ministry, and we talked a little bit about it last week, that whole idea of comparison. And we said ministry is not about comparing, because God has given different gifts, different abilities, different calling, and we need to be all about cheering one another on and, and just cheering for each other's success. Comparison will rob us of our joy, it will lead us into sin, and comparison will destroy us. Well, as the text continues in John chapter 4, verses 4 to 6, And he, Jesus, had to pass through Samaria. So he came to the city of Samaria called Sychar, 
near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being weary from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Um, So Jesus and his disciples have left Jerusalem following the Passover, and they're walking north into the region of Judea, and he had to pass through the Samaria. But if you know the geography of this uh, story, he didn't have to. He could have gone down to the Jordan Valley. He could have gone down to the coast and and taken the Via Maris up to to very near um, the Sea of Galilee. But instead, he had to pass through, not because geographically, But theologically, Jesus had a God-ordained appointment. He he knew because he's omniscient. And Jesus, being weary from his journey, remember, he's fully God and fully man. He's sitting by the well in the middle of the day, and with that, here comes a woman. Well, let me continue in this passage in verse 7. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, And he would have given you living water. Well, Walt, it is impossible for us to ignore the cultural setting in these verses. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of different aspects to it. Uh, First of all, the woman coming alone in the heat of the day to the well outside the city, that's that's not when you come to the well. You you come Mm -hmm. to the well either early in the morning when it's cool or late later in the day when it's cool. You don't come in, in the middle of the heat of the day. But beyond that, she's a, a Samaritan woman. And, and we never know this, uh, this woman's name. But, but mm. the Samaritans, they had conflict and, and, um, with the Jewish people. Um, the Samaritans were kind of a mixed race group of people um, because when the Assyrians came and destroyed the northern ten tribes, um, they brought in other um, slaves and people to mix with the Samaritans. And Jesus is engaging this woman in conversation. And he just says, he makes a request, give me a drink. Um, he discerns this woman's need. And he's going to do something with water uh, that's very unique. Because she came to fill her water pot at the well, but she had a much greater thirst in her life than just physical thirst. Her heart was truly thirsting for legitimate and authentic relationship. And even when Jesus says the gift of God that, that he's offering, the, the woman has probably been mistreated by men. I, I doubt she had experienced many gifts or much kindness in these past years of her life. And now this stranger, this strange Jewish man, who even uh, you would understand that he's coming and he's saying, God can give you a gift and she uh, is intrigued. Jesus said, if, if you would have asked, he would have given you living water. So ask for something that you need or want. This, this would be a foreign concept to her. I mean, some of us really struggle to ask for help. But Jesus is saying, woman, you need to ask for God to help you. Um, and he wants us to know it's okay to ask him. I, I think of um, the, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus commands, and he says, ask 
and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Yeah, and you know, as you share that, Walton, I think of this woman, she's she's an outcast in her city. She's wandering out to the city well to gather, to get her water in the middle of the day, as you said, the heat of the day, when when there would be no women around who might be gossiping about her or snickering behind her back. But let's continue in verse 11, because we've got more of this conversation. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You're not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. You know, she points out the obvious to Jesus. She's like, what are you talking about, buddy? You don't even have a jug. You don't have a container. You don't have anything to draw water. And this well's deep. And so she points that out to Jesus. Jesus says, you know, what I have to offer it, it, you'll never thirst again. It's living water. It is something that I am able to give you and you will never thirst. He points to the well. If you drink that water, you're going to be thirsty again. However, the water I will offer, and I love this word, satisfy. It will satisfy your thirst, that emptiness in your heart, whatever it is that we long for or we're looking for, oh, to be satisfied, spring up to eternal life. And I, I just love that imagery that Jesus is using water. You know, when we are in Israel, we often say, where there's water, there's life. Mm, because yeah. um, you see uh, plants are growing around water and animals are there and it, there's life with water. But Jesus is saying, no, you need something more than just physical life. You need eternal life. You need for the Lord to to impact your life. Well, continuing on in the story, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. And he said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. This command he makes. And the woman answered and she said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You have correctly said, I have no husband for... You have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. Um, This you have said truly. Jesus, knowing all these things, he really kind of um, lovingly backs her in a corner because what he's trying to do is he's trying to point out, this is your need, and and I know you. Um, I, I have seen your life, and I can do something about it. And she initially says, sir, I, I want to have this water. Give me this water. But with that, that that desire to satisfy her physical thirst, but Jesus is pointing out, no, there, there's there's more. Yet it, more than just um, walking out here daily, um, that you can stay hidden from the people of Sychar if you come at noon. Um, the shame and the guilt. And when he says, go call your husband, I mean, it must have just arrested her. She must have wondered, oh, what does he know? Um, but neat, Jesus knows all about her. He, and in addition to that, Jesus knows all about you and me. 
He knows the dirty secrets that we try to keep hidden in the back of our closets. Um, You know, I think both men and women, but we can be posers. We can pose as something on the outside. Well, and I think of masks, right? Oh, exactly, exactly. And and I think that one of the the good gifts of God is when we finally have that revealed and and we just feel like those dirty, lost secrets uh, are now out in the, the open antiseptic of the air and the sun and the light. Um, so Jesus knows the details, and but he doesn't push her away. He doesn't say, that, yeah, you, you've, you've, you've turned a corner. You can't be redeemed. Well, and you've messed up. You've made too many mistakes. So, yeah. you know, you can't have this living water. You know, I, I, I think this is one of those stories that just reminds us that Jesus is ready to engage in the messy areas of our life. Yeah. I mean, the sure. areas we try to keep hidden, the areas that, that are shameful to us. Uh, you've had five husbands, and now you're living with a guy, and he's not even your husband. What are you doing that Jesus will engage in those messy areas of life? Mm, yeah, and he's safe. You know, he's kind and loving. He'll speak truth into your life. He'll let you know where, but why? So that you'll turn to him. Well, I love this. This woman says, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. You know, our fathers worship in this mountain and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain, so he points to Mount Gerizim, right? Right. And nor in Jerusalem, down in Jerusalem on Mount Zion, where the temple is, will you worship the Father? You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, Jewish, worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. And this is amazing. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am him. So she, she tries I I get this sense of deflection here going on, right? Well, I mean, she's, he has just said, you know, go get your husband. Oh, no, that's, you're right. You know, five husbands and now you're living with a man. So she turns it because she's got to feel embarrassed. There's guilt, there's shame. When we mess up, we feel, we feel guilty. We want to hide, right? So she turns it into this theological conversation about Mount Gerizim and Jerusalem. We worship here, you worship there. It's, and, but Jesus says, no, it's not about the place. It's not, it's not about, but rather it's in my heart, right? It's not, am I at the right place, but is my heart right? Jesus like, Worship the Father in spirit and truth. Jesus does not delve into this woman's theological discussion. He's not sucked into it, right? Right. But he points her to the Father, to the Heavenly Father, to his Father, because true worshipers will come in spirit and truth. And she says, I know the Messiah is coming. There are things, there's message that she has heard with regard to religion, And Jesus then reveals to her, I am. That's Yahweh. That's Jehovah. And look at this. 
as he reveals it is to a Samaritan scorned by the Jewish people. It is to a woman who is not a man, not a leader um, in the religious groups. And then not only that, but to a woman that's an outcast, even in her own town, one who has lived life poorly. And I want to pause here and ask a question. Do you feel like you don't belong? Are you the odd person, the one who doesn't make enough money, doesn't live in a nice enough house, didn't get the right education or go to the right college? You don't have the impressive job title or perhaps your life choices have been poor and you've been shunned because you didn't do it right. Well, the good news is here in John's gospel, Jesus sees you. And Walt and I can both testify to the fact that Jesus called us out of our sin and the sin that we were sinking in that pit. And he wants to have that personal relationship, that conversation. He, he had a conversation with Walt. He had a conversation with me. And we accepted the gift of God. The one he offers is eternal life. Well, now as we continue and we come to the end of this part of our passage for today, we're going to pick it up next week because this woman is intrigued by this man, Jesus. But I want to tell you something. Your story makes a difference. Whenever whenever I listen to Walt's testimony, his personal testimony of when he received Jesus Christ as his personal Savior, I always tear up, Walt. It is an amazing story how God reached down and brought you to himself to be a believer of Jesus Christ. Yeah, it it, it was amazing. (laughs) Yeah, and I think on a future podcast, we really need to have you share that and talk about the difference your story made and what God did to turn your life around. But I've been thinking of the hymn, My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee, all the follies of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior art thou. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. You know, we can leave our past behind. We can run to Jesus because he is a gracious redeemer. He's our savior. He wants to be your savior. He is my savior. Jesus, I truly love you. Thank you for offering the gift of God to each of us. Until we meet again, may you continue to walk with God. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord for The Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.